Moses, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for lending your skills and expertise and experience to Apostolic Publicity House. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. I think it's important people get to know who you are, especially if we want them to uh, work with you as, as an author and such. I think that you have a lot of wonderful experience to benefit everybody with. And so the first question I want to ask you is uh, you were you did um, self actually self publish your book, right? I did. What did you find most difficult about that about that process? Oh, I think there are several things that are that was difficult. <laughs> it's hard to, to narrow it down to one, but mainly I would I would say just a lot of the technical difficulties because you know it's more than just um, a manuscript. At the end of the day, I had to to turn it into a book. You know, sometimes when you look at it, you know, from an outside point of view, it just, oh, sure, I can do this. But it turned out I had to do a lot of studying and a lot of training to, you know, get it into the right format, to get a book cover design. And it took months of my time (laughs) trying to learn all of that. (laughs) But I did it. It it wasn't an easy process, but I'm I'm proud of the end result. I got there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of the things I love about doing this, uh, supporting authors and publishing, is they do the really hard work, which is the the making of the book and the the self-searching and the organization of ideas and stories, whatever it is that they're sharing. And then we kind of get to jump in at the end and push it over the hump, and now it's a book. (laughs) It's kind of great. You get to jump (laughs) into into their passion and into their dream and vision for what they're wanting to accomplish. Kind of give them a nudge with the technical aspect. Boom, it's done. And you got to be a part of it. Would you tell Absolutely. people what your book's about and, and how you serve it, uh, serve people with it? Because it's not just a book. It's also uh, a workbook. It's also uh, really a, a source of growth, personal growth. It is a, a passion of mine. I've been teaching inner healing courses for, for several years. And, you know, I never had a book to go by. So basically, I just kind of had a compilation of different ones. And I kind of put it together to make it work, you know, for our apostolic people, which was doable. But they didn't have... They didn't have the literature. They didn't have it in front of them. They couldn't take it home with them. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that was a problem for me. I like to, to give people something. I want them to, to be able to take it home. And after doing that for, for several years, I, you know, I just felt the Lord press upon my heart to, to make a book for, for with apostolic doctrine and to be able to give them something to take with them. So um, it, it's, it is a Bible study, but it's also a program. Mm-hmm. I really wanted it to work for churches to use as in-reach and for outreach. But many people are using it as, as an individual Bible study. There's, you know, home groups using it and just Bible study groups using it, which is wonderful. But in the beginning, it really is. And, and it was meant for to be a program for a church to really reach the people in their church. I think they get overlooked a lot. I found some of the most hurting people sitting on our pews, which just broke my heart. I was one of them and, and I knew I couldn't have been the only one. And I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I think inReach is very important, and then it, it becomes a great outreach program for any church. I was just on with somebody else recording uh, another episode, and I asked them this question. I'd like to ask you the same. I asked them what they, where they saw the holes in apostolic publishing, because uh, we're really good at producing certain types of books and different subjects, and where they saw the holes to be. And one of those answers was, and they had several answers, but one of them was resources for the church, things yes. that people can actually like put to work. Uh, do you see any other holes in the apostolic movements, publishing, things that you wish would you'd see more? Well, sure. And I think, 
even the secular churches, you know, tend to focus on one thing. And I think we, we do that at times, even, you know, in our churches, we focus on one issue. But I think we have to be able to address multiple issues at one time. I can't teach five different Bible studies every week, you know, to focus on one issue in each Bible study. But people do have issues. It's beyond drugs and alcohol. You know, and I think we get kind of caught up in the drug and alcohol thing, which, you know, I have people come into finding freedom classes that have drug and alcohol problems, but not everybody does. You know, mm-hmm. you've got someone who was hurt by a friend and they just can't seem to let it go. And then you have abuse and, and all different types of issues. But I think sometimes we just tend to focus on one at a time. And, and that becomes a struggle because I need to be able to, to reach them all. I think the Bible studies that, that are available for our people. They're just kind of generic. We don't have a, a healing apostolic program in place that we can reach for and know that the doctrine's sound in it. And, and that's one of the reasons I felt led to, to write Finding Freedom was so that it would be apostolic doctrine. I didn't have to reach out to secular programs to pull it into our church and then have to rewrite it and make it work. You know, I wanted it to work from the onset. I don't know if I in reaching another another hole, but I think one of the main ones is just being able to reach people with more than one issue. Mm-hmm. Something I love about it is that publishing resources, be they books or even even video courses, things like that, uh, publishing resources, even teacher manuals or, or outlines of things to teach on subjects. It is it is ministry that can be done in the midweek or in the in between of services. I remember T. F. Tenney when he would promote a book or share a book, he'd get up to speak and he'd share that we do have books at the table in the back. And he was always quick to say, this is an extension of our ministry. This is a part of what we Absolutely. do is creating yeah. resources. And I love the idea of people who want more, they can have more. You know, they pick up right. a book that'll support them in faith, will build them in their understanding of doctrine and the Bible. How have you uh, marketed your book? We haven't talked about this. How have you marketed your book or what would you like to do to market your book? Well, you know, with self-publishing, it's a whole different story. You try to find people who will endorse it that's in our movement because you need that. And when you self-publish, you don't have the, the endorsement of a publisher that says, hey, this is apostolic proof. You know, this is apostolic doctrine. It hasn't been screened. I, I try to push it in, in apostolic groups on Facebook. I don't have a compilation of the target market like publishers do. So I I can't get it out there like they can. So it it makes it a little bit more difficult. But I do a lot of ads online. I like to target churches in particular because that's where I I really feel the need for the program to be. But that posed some issues too, um, just because it hasn't been screened, you know, by someone that they can trust. I I do a lot of Facebook stuff. So it's worked. It's worked. It's not easy. <laughs> it's been an ongoing thing for me um, sure. to have to keep it up and do it. it so when you self-publish, it becomes a business. It's more than just, oh, I've written a book. It, it becomes a, a full-fledged business. So, you Yeah, know, if you I want have, it to get out there and you want it to succeed and make an impact, I think that's why anybody who would write within the apostolic movement, they want to make an impact, share their story, absolutely. share their revelation, uh, meet a need like you did. One of the best ways that I've seen authors promote their books is through a consistent social media presence like you were doing and specifically building a community around themselves. And so maybe not even just people you serve, but people that are interested in the subject, people that agree that it's important and then engaging them. Um, And we have free access to that with Facebook, with YouTube, uh, with great groups and followings and, and reply to comments and stuff like that. 
I think it'd be good if we put together, and it's not something I've done yet, but put together kind of a quick and easy framework to give authors that we publish to be able to market their book consistently. That wouldn't be hard for me to put together. I'm going to take a note right now uh, to create that as like a freebie for our authors. Are there any books you wish would get written? People whose testimonies you know of? I wrote my book because I was trying to find a book that would help me modify my Bible to better support my doctrine and my study. Uh, I wanted to be able to share my doctrine from my Bible very easily, so I wanted like built-in Bible studies and stuff. I couldn't find any books on how to highlight, mark up, modify your Bible to make it reflect your faith and make it a, a better tool for sharing your faith. And so that's why I wrote my book. Uh, are there any books you wish would get written? You know, I, honestly, I just wish we had more Bible study books. They're very limited. They're very limited. And so Bible study, know, I like to do my own Bible studies on the, you know, the whole Bible or salvation or uh, like a bunch of different. No, like by subjects. just by topic, just by topic. Joy okay. Haney did a whole series and I've, I've taught the whole series and it, it's wonderful. I love teaching it. I probably always teach it. You know, but then when you get to the end, it's like, okay, where do I go? And then a lot of them just become salvation Bible studies, which are great. We need them. And a lot of those, though, I do one on one. We just need more Bible study material. Again, I I reach out. I have to reach out to the the secular community to get more if I'm not writing it myself. And to be honest, I mean, I know a lot of of ladies who are writing Bible studies, but they're just sitting, you know, sitting there. Mm -hmm. They're not actually getting it published. Yeah. And I'd love to see them do that because maybe, we uh, need it. Maybe even if they don't have enough material, so maybe they got 10 Bible studies, but that's only 50 pages or something. Maybe we could uh, put together a compilation of topical Bible studies. Oh, that would be wonderful. Wouldn't it? That wouldn't would it be, be wonderful, wonderful to have even, you know, and you could just produce more and more volumes of books and people could chip in. And sure. make it. it would be wonderful to have several volumes of books, kind of like Soup for the Soul. It was mm-hmm. just a compilation of stories. Uh, have a compilation yes. of Bible studies by topic. Right, that's a great idea. There's a bunch of pastors that have. I have a, a pile of Bible studies that I've made one off. You know, because I'm going into right. one situation, going to counsel this right. area, and so I brought together, you know, some thoughts and made an outline. It'd be a wonderful type of book. A lot of people that love sermonic books, and they're not there. Are, there are not so many books of sermons. Kind of hand in hand with that would be. It'd be wonderful to have. It would. A book it really of would Bible be. Studies. Absolutely. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, too. I've, my former pastor, I, I would love to see some of his sermons turn into books. Yeah. <laughs> they were so good. And he would do these series and they would be seven lesson series and easily could be books. Oh, I, I wish. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've thought about that so many times. I'm like, man, that would make a great book. Well, you know, talking about extensions like of ministries and stuff, um, publishing can be a great support for a ministry. Uh, we've seen that so many times where um, a ministry becomes more impactful, more influential because they have resources that are then adopted by others, used by others, and and bless so many people. But pastors, every pastor has uh, several books worth uh, material in old sermon notes. Hmm. That is something that I I hope that we will, as a movement, start doing more of, because you already did the work. Right. and now you've got new, I'm a pastor, and I think about this all the time, the new people that come in, they, they haven't had the benefit of the rest of us being on this journey together. How do mm-hmm. we get them together with and up to speed with the rest of us? And yeah. having resources of key sermons, having books or even tapes, those kind of church-defining 
those molding series yes. and things like that. And so you could say, well, this really changed us. You know, maybe right. that's the best thing that, that happened out of the reason for such an impact that uh, praying through the tabernacle was very, very quickly adapted into a, a program resource that other churches mm-hmm. could use. And that's, that's gone mainstream. I see a lot of opportunity all around our movement for creating more resources. And, and we're, you know, we're anointed people. And uh, we believe the Bible like others don't. We have uh, we have something special to say. Honestly, there's so many out there who who have written manuscripts that are amazing. They've they've let me read them, and I'm like, you've got to get this published. And a lot of them are scared and nervous, but there's something about picking up an apostolic book. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it that's different than anything else you'll read. And and we know it's it's a matter of the Spirit. It, it's the Holy Ghost and and the anointing that's you know, been put upon that, those words. And there really is nothing like it. I love picking up an apostolic book. We, we I, need more. I do too. I'm a, a fan of our movement. What I mean by that is I want everybody to, su- to succeed. I want every church to double. I want every ministry to impact thousands. So I, I love to pick up any, to use any apostolic resource to support uh, every apostolic author. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've got the best thing going. I really do. We have the answer for the world. <laughs> Really, actually believing that, yeah, let's let's put it out there. Now, here's something I got to ask: Is does it seem to you? Because it seems this way to me. Do you feel like, as a movement, we used to publish more content? And I don't mean just books, but radio programs and things like that. That we used to publish more than we do now. Yes, and has it just really slowed down? <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't. Something doesn't. It, something feels off. It seems that way to me. You know, I think yeah. of the G.T. Haywood and the songs he wrote and the, and the you know, the books he wrote. And I, I think about Urshan on the radio. This is kind of a current word that, that maybe has lost its steam, but they were content producing machines. They had something to say and they were saying it in every way that they could. It used to be that we were passing out, forget like church invites, we were passing out our doctrine and flyers on street corners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, you, you don't see that anymore. <laughs> I'm not somebody who who worships at the idol of yesteryear. Definitely right. not. There, you know, we got here. We're in a wonderful place with consistent doctrine. We're in a wonderful place with established churches. And I, I wonder if there's something to be gained by going back to that. I, I believe there is something to be gained by going back to just being content creating machines where we share mm-hmm. testimonies. Just every testimony gets put in print. You know, we don't even hear the testimonies like we used to. I mean, used to, I couldn't, I, I'm telling you, almost every service, somebody had a testimony and, and, <laughs> and if not just, just, not just five minute testimony, I'm talking, you know, major testimony, things for your soul, you know, that benefited everybody. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you really don't hear it much anymore. I, I haven't. We've had testimony services uh, at our church, but that's something I've had to reinvigorate. I haven't seen a testimony service in years and years and mm-hmm. years. And just, you know, in pastor in here, I think about what fed our our family, uh, what blessed me as a young man growing up in church. And Brother LaCrosse at times would have a testimony service. And it was good. You know what we did recently? And books of testimonies are maybe my favorite kind. I asked everybody specifically to share the testimony when they first received the Holy Ghost. And boy, oh wow! The building just about caught on fire. <laughs> oh wow! It was a it was a powerful time. I, I think it's important. We are we're called. Um, this has been kind of a candy stick for me recently, but we're called individually to be a part of a whole. 
So God loves each of us individually, but when he calls sure. you, when you answer that call, you become a part of the body of Christ. Right. But so we really do need to know each other. Yeah, I love I love testimonies getting out. I think that's maybe the best part of uh, Sister Freeman's books is the testimonies that are interwoven was, in those stories. I was just about to mention her. Yeah. <laughs> her books are some of my favorite because they were they were just real life. Oh, I love it. I read them over and over again. I never get tired of them. <laughs> my wife Shannon, so that's her favorite author. She was she was excited to meet Nona Freeman's daughter. I mean, just pumped. Yeah, and that's that's another one, you know, another example of uh, ministry going out and impacting many, many more, her her writing. And then, you know, what she did to promote her books was she'd go and speak. Yeah. And people would say, absolutely. you know what, I, I love her ministry and I want more of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it home with me. She was a wonderful lady. I, I wish we had more missionaries who were writing books mm-hmm. um, about their experiences. I think that would be awesome. You know, I, just, I, I haven't uh, read any recently. I just helped uh, Sister Eichard finish a book. I shouldn't say just. It was like last year. That is the most recent one I've heard of. We love it when they come into our church. Like I, I love when the missionaries come oh, you know, yeah. back to the States and they come and they talk to, you know, the churches. I know they need the support, but in, in a, well, bless you know, I'm always supporting the missionaries. Yes. But I, their testimonies and they, they talk about their experiences and tell the stories. And I'm just sitting there on the edge of my seat, soaking it all in. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how many more do they have? Oh, yeah. You know, that we don't get to hear in that hour, 30 minutes to an hour. Uh-huh. Oh, if we could get it on pages. You know, those are faith building, real life. We need that. I'd love to see more of that, too. Yeah, it does. It builds faith. And, and it makes you want to go try things. And yes. it inspires. <laughs> yes. Publishing is a, a wonderful thing. There's a book that a type of book that I'd love to see our movement produce. And somebody recently kind of said, well, we kind of did, but we didn't. And that is uh, systematic theology from our movement. And so there are systematic theologies mm. that show how like all the different parts of theology, everything from soteriology to angelology to eschatology are, are all linked in a consistent view. We have a much more consistent, a much more systematic theology Uh, We wouldn't say that a lot of times because we don't think in those terms, but um, way more so than many of other church groups and traditions and things like that. And I would love to see us produce one. But like you said, like the endorsements and things, it'd have to be done by somebody that folks respected, I feel, or or by folks respected. I I could interject right here. That that is so important. It's so important. And And I've said this, I don't know how many times to many people. But I didn't write a book to sell a book. Yeah, I write a book for people to buy the book. And I know that almost sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm not. My purpose was to get the material into their hands. And it has become a stumbling block for me personally, not having a reputable publisher behind my name. It has made things very difficult. Now, God does all things well, and he still makes a way. (laughs) And I'm very thankful for that. But it if I've been asked once, I've been asked, uh, you know, it seems like a hundred times, you know, who's your publisher. And huh. if you don't have that apostolic publisher behind you, it's almost like, Oh no, she has some strange doctrine. <laughs> she uh-huh. out there by uh-huh. herself it does make it more difficult. So it, it uh-huh. is very important that books are published by someone who is reputable and people that people trust. So just like you're saying, it's very important that that's done. Well, it opens the door. Folks who, they're, they're not being hard or, or mean, but they, they've got to know that what they're picking up is 
good, and Absolutely. that helps them trust. I can't remember who wrote the book. Somebody's going to make fun of me for this, but there is a book called the, the Speed of Trust. You know, our movement, maybe more so than other places, works on trust, and uh, sure. because you don't have you know so many qualifications in place, right. right? Well, are you an A or a B, or do you have right. this degree or that degree? Uh, we don't have so many exactly. qualifications or even bodies that would uh, endorse or qualify. So yes, it's right. important who published you or or who endorsed you. So who's you know sure. written uh, your foreword and things like that. Who's on the Absolutely. cover? So somebody somebody who is respected, probably somebody associated with one of the Bible colleges would be good. But I would love to see a systematic theology produced by us. Now, I said yes. that to a friend, and they said, well, what about the uh, the two apostolic Bibles that just came out? One from the UPCI, one from the WPF. Those are good, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a, a book that would be a companion to your Bible that would show somebody who's really wanting to be a student, okay, how does everything fit everything else? Because we have a systematic theology and everything does fit everything else, you could start preaching on one subject and you can reach out and touch <laughs> any other subject you want to. Yeah, That's a book I wish was written. And I know who I want to write it, Bobby Kilman. I'd love Bobby Kilman to write it, but <laughs> he, is, uh, he is inundated with work at IBC right now. Maybe I'll write it and just get him to put his name on it. No. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Well, who are, who are some of your favorite apostolic authors? Oh, Joy Haney is probably my one of my top favorite. I think I own every book she's written. Brother Daniel Corin is just has become a, a a close friend of mine and a, a wonderful author. Kim Haney, great book she's put out. Um, God has a waiting room is probably one of my new favorites. Oh my goodness, I have several. Nona Freeman, absolutely wonderful. Lori Wagner, great books by Sister Lori Wagner. And enjoyed reading hers. Um, she just recently published Through the Waters, um, The Life and Ministry of Evangelist Willie Johnson. Have you heard of that one? No, not yet. Love the book. It's, it's, an, it's, an, it's amazing. And again, that's one of those books where it's telling someone's story. And those tend to be some of my favorites, too. Okay. You know, it's easy uh, to enjoy those. And it's easy to get a lot out of them because that was a real person. It's somebody who has a similar experience as yourself in being of the of like faith. I think part of the reason that it's so enjoyable to pick up an apostolic book is you can let your guard down a little. You can just enjoy it. Even even reading uh, fiction, you got to watch out. Okay, well, what am I endorsing? Where is this going? And so to read a true story of somebody who was full of faith is just a safe place. Uh, mentally, yes. you can just read and enjoy and follow along. Yeah, you know, you're not constantly having to think about where is this going? Uh -huh. Oh, no, they're about to say something I don't believe in or, oh, no, this isn't biblical. You do. You get to just be free to read the book. It makes a huge difference. No. So there's something interesting to me that I've read a little bit about. I read Tell to Win and then I read Story Brand and then I read another book on the Storyteller Superpower or something like that. Anyhow, um, there's, there's been a subject I've been following for the last little while in, in my reading. I read a lot of uh, nonfiction. The, the power of stories. One of the constant themes through these, uh, two of the constant themes through these different books are first that we're like hardwired to learn from and remember stories. That's why, that's why we need to hear them. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, rem I remember stories um, more than I think I remember else they just become a, an it just makes an impression in your brain and and I, I retell those stories it's something I do too as a minister oh my goodness I, I think about all the stories and 
And then I, I, I remember one that relates to the subject matter and it makes the biggest difference in how to get a message across and how it impacts someone's life. I know um, Pastor Daniel Livingston, my former pastor, he, he told stories. It would draw you in and it would it becomes real. You know, it's not just words. All of a sudden it becomes very impactful and it, and it applies. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes a story, you know, that really changes the way you think about something. And, and then all of a sudden this scripture, you're seeing okay. it differently now. And so now, now you're touching on the second thing. So the first thing is that stories uh, kind of like get through our gates easier and they stay there. And the second yes. thing is that a good story, a story well told, allows the, the hearer of the story to be the hero. And now the storyteller takes them on a journey to arrive at the conclusion. The most powerful way to learn, of course, is personal experience. But through a story, you can kind of give somebody a personal experience. And so now, like you said, they think about a scripture differently or they they have a different perspective on on their situation Mm -hmm. that they're really living right now because they heard a story about how something else worked out or how there was another perspective. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Then I look at the scripture. The Bible was written to be heard very often for most of history. You know, people couldn't read. To be able to write was a job, a scribe. That was somebody's job. You can write. <laughs> right. And um, so people would gather at that temple and, and such at different times, and they would hear the word read. That's how they received the word of God and, and what mm-hmm. they built their life on. God made us this way, and he ministers to us this way. Bible's full of stories that deliver the truth and the character of God, um, that build faith. It's, mm-hmm. it's exciting to be a part of that. Back in when I first published Finding Freedom, it was in 2016, selling the book, selling the book. It was just, it was going well, but more to individuals than to churches. Okay. Uh So it wasn't really what, you know, I envisioned, but people get the book, they can study the book and God can do great things. So, you know, I waited about five months probably after the book was in several people's hands and so I just started personally emailing people, just just send them these random messages from me. Like I, I literally sat down and, and wrote messages. They weren't generated by a computer. <laughs> Touching base with them and asking them how their study was going and if I could help them in any way. But this is this is what happened, and it and it really it reinforced the reason why I knew that finding freedom needed to be taught. The the messages started coming in one by one, and as they came in, like my heart just sank. Okay. Because mm-hmm. what they said was, it's too hard for me to, this is just the gist of it. It was too hard for me to do it by myself. I needed someone to teach me what was actually on the pages. You're talking about people who aren't, who haven't, you know, even grown up in the church, mm-hmm. you know, buying, finding freedom because they're reach. This is the world is, and this is they're reaching for something to make the pain stop. Yeah. That's what the world's doing. And they've been doing it for probably since the beginning of time. You just want the pain to stop. And so when you give them a hope of, okay, you want freedom. This is how you get it. You know, they're reaching for that. It wasn't happening for a lot of them because they were trying to read it by themselves. And so I reached out to a close friend of mine, Sister Leah Del Fuente. She had taught Finding Freedom for a while and knew that the impact that it made. And so I went to visit her um, in Texas and I asked her, I was just sobbing and I'm just like, these, these messages, I'm like, look at this. This is not, this is not what I thought would happen. And so she looked at me and she said, faith comes by what? And yeah. I said, hearing. 
And she said, hearing what? And I said, the word of God. And that's when it clicked for me. Finding Freedom isn't just a Bible study book, but I also wrote a teacher's edition mm-hmm. because the Lord you know, said it's got to be taught. It's got to be spoken. It needs more than just the words on the page. I, I teach Finding Freedom myself. I don't read the book. Yeah. It's a guideline and it helps me get through a lesson, but it's the stories that I tell. It's my personal experiences that I tell, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's other testimonies that I tell. There's something about speaking the word into, you know, someone else's life that, that can make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And it is important that it's heard, that it's spoken, not just the, the reading, especially when you're talking about a subject like inner healing. It is through that, that spoken word that someone can find that. So anyway, you were, you were saying that about hearing the word and it is, it's very important that we do hear it, not just read it, but we have both. This is more work, but I think it would really tie into your passion and and making the, your teaching material more effective. Have you thought about when you teach uh, recording yourself and then making that available uh, to people who buy the book? You know, I have, um, I've, I've rehearsed that many times. Well, it's, it's, it is, but it's not. I'm, I don't mind doing that. The problem that I've run into, number one, it would take a lot of editing because in a classroom, it's very intimate. The The ladies get to know each other and they're in a place where they're learning to trust and they're opening up and they're telling things that they don't want anybody else to hear. Having a video in the room would just disrupt the whole class. I think it would shut them down sure. to feel like they can't talk. And one of the main parts of Finding Freedom is them being able to speak. That makes sense. It's more than just me talking. It becomes a, an exchange of mm-hmm. communication. I speak, they speak, they speak to each other. You know, someone says something that touches someone else. So it's, it's just so hard to do that. I've wanted to, I've wanted to do it. And, and I can't just, I can't do it in a classroom. I just, well, I don't want to yeah. do it. Uh, it's even I, more work, but you'd have to be outside the classroom, but maybe you could talk, talk through each lesson. So rather than yeah. performing the lesson, Brother Wright does this. He has a camera mounted on his desk, I think he does. He teaches from <laughs> his desk to a video camera that it goes out. And he's done right. this for a long, long, long time. And um, it's blessed a lot of people. I just came across, this is wild. So a gentleman here in Alaska that I've been reaching out to shared with me that he's going to a conference. Now, he's not a part of our church or uh, not of any church that I'm not aware that I'm aware right. of. But he's going to a healing conference in Atlanta, Georgia just about as far away from here as you can go. I'm excited that he's even doing anything with faith, right? So I'm being encouraging. It's a spirit-filled church. I think it might be one of our churches, actually, the little bit of research I got to do. And so I asked him, how did you hear about this? And he said, this young lady preaches on YouTube, and it's so full of the Holy Ghost. And she said that this conference was happening, and so I'm going to go. And I'm going to go be here. Oh, Wow. And so he's acting wow. in faith, and I, I'm praying for him that he is healed and that he'd be full of the Spirit when he comes back, and we'd be able to make him a part of the body and, and be a part of supporting his faith. Yeah, the, the spoken word, stories, uh, it's a powerful thing. And one of, one of the things that I love to see is when people make podcasts out of their books or audio books that accompany their books. When people I recently make- had someone ask about that. Yeah, oh, really? an audio book. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think it, I think it's a great idea. There, a lot of people are doing that, you know, listening to books rather than just sitting down reading them. 
It is. It's and, an innovation. You know, and here's the reason, I think, because we are kind of like a hurried society that's always on the go. Well, you can be listening to an audiobook while you wash the dishes, while you commute, right. work, while you do whatever. I do it. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks all the time because right. I still want to grow as a person. And so it kind of like engages my mind while physically doing other things. Let's talk about that. How would how would one of our authors go about uh, creating an audio product or an audio resource out of what they've published? I think maybe the easiest way would be to sit down, just kind of schedule some time each week or even each day and sit down and record themselves reading what they published. I do know that there are secular authors that have done this. Uh, you don't need a studio, just need a quiet place and uh, a microphone or even most smartphones have a recording app people get uh, people get hung up on and they kind of have that a uh, paralysis by analysis hung up on what what material what gear do i need to use what what right. do i need to use got to have the perfect microphone and they want to make a whole studio to record one book that's not needed in fact there's a lot uh, a lot of experts saying that the way our content is being created and consumed right now has lowered the bar of professionalism. And so most mm -hmm. things are being shot on phones and consumed mm -hmm. videos and such uh, shot right. and consumed on phones. What you record is probably going to be heard through a phone. So the, the audio quality is not going to be that great anyhow, especially right. if it's being streamed across a podcast or an audiobook platform that streams. So if somebody right. just dedicated some time to sit down and record them reading, uh, I know that we could get a team, you know, because our, our process is we build a team around an author. We could build a team that would then edit, produce those so that they were all the same, you know, volume and everything, and then organize right. them into an audiobook. And our uh, a printer also produces uh, audiobooks. It would not oh. be hard at all for us to do that. If somebody That's wonderful. Yes. Now, I've seen another innovation where an author, a secular author, went ahead and did that, except instead of releasing it as audiobook that people paid for, they released it as a free podcast. Ah. But then, you know, but then was always pushing folks to go read and, and buy their other resources. And so you could yeah, get the idea. book and make your notes, or you could listen to the podcast periodically, and that made it kind of bite-sized, which was neat to me. And then, of course, it was an advertisement for all their other resources. If somebody's mm -hmm. wanting to build a platform, if they've got you know ten books that they they plan to write, right, that'd be a neat way right. to to do that. The opportunity is just wide open ahead of us. Uh, we can produce so many resources, and um, there are so many stories and testimonies and revelations and teachings that need to be preserved. And I hope this podcast inspires some folks. Uh, what do you think, somebody who who wishes they could write a book. So maybe they've got an idea and they're working on it, or uh, they just have a desire to publish something. Maybe they haven't even been working on it. What would you uh, say to inspire that person or to help them move forward? I think, I think the main thing is just to keep doing it. I think a lot of times people get stuck and they stop, but if they're inspired, keep writing, even if they feel like it's not great, even if they feel like it's not good, because you can always go back. You can always go back and fill in the gaps and yes. and make something better. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect from the get go, but write what's what, what's on your heart. Just get it jotted down, and and then you can go back and, and fill it in. I think the main thing is don't stop and yeah. don't get discouraged if you think it's not perfect. For some reason, we have this image in our mind about what something should look like from the beginning. But most authors, 
they're not they're not writing the perfect book the first time. No. <laughs> it's a process. So I would I would say keep keep going, keep writing, and and yeah. if you need to stop for a few days, that's fine. But pick it back up and and just keep at it. I would add to that to to focus on the step that you're on right now. I have come across some authors as I've helped people get published, and they are con- they're thinking about how to market their book, and they haven't even written it yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and they're stuck. They're par- paralyzed. I just got I got to figure out how to do Facebook pages and things like that. And oh. I, I've had to talk a few people down off that ledge and say, "No, you need a book." And then <laughs> right. worry about marketing. One thing at a time. People just in general do get stuck analyzing and learning. The point is not so much that, but to rather share what you have. And the great thing is that you know there there are plenty of resources now available that can help people with that process and they don't have to, they don't have to do it, which is great. It's wonderful not to have to sit down and think about all that stuff. I was talking to someone the other day and you know, they were saying, Oh, it's probably too early for me to talk to a publisher. And I'm thinking, no, (laughs) get it. No, do it as soon as you can, because then that's one less thing you've got to think about. That's one less thing that you've got to worry about. You know Mm -hmm. where you're headed, you know, the direction you want to go you've got all your options available. Let's, you know, you need to choose one and, and then you can move forward. Get that off your mind and tackle the book. Yeah, <laughs> now you can focus on your book. It's never too early. Yet. Honestly, in my opinion, it's never too early to look at what your options are for when it's completed as yeah. far as publishing goes, not yeah. the technicalities of it, yeah. but to say, okay, I'm going to write a book and I'm, I'm going to do that. What are, what are some options? I've been encouraging people. Don't, don't wait till it's done to do that. Do that now. Go ahead and, and have a, a plan, you know, and then you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You don't have to get into the technical issues and you don't have to think about a cover. You don't have to think about what the, you know, how big the book's going to be and just focus on what you're writing. But it is, it's yeah. one thing at a time, but it's never too early to get information. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't want to discourage people from uh, thinking about how the end result will look, uh, just right. not to get mired in it. And yes. definitely what we're doing in providing the editing, the formatting, the cover design, the, the print production, yes. the distribution. Definitely, I, I sincerely hope, and this is really the my motivation for the whole of Appstall Publishing House, is I hope that we can make it so easy on people to publish that they can't help but get it done. And so, you know, they don't have to think about any of those things. All they have to do is put their story on paper, get their teaching notes together and make them a manuscript. And then from manuscript, they're done. I just and they can pass it. They can pass it off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You pass it off, and now it's in someone else's hands that you trust, and they're going to make it happen. I just published Esther Walker's book, "Who Was I That You Thought of Me?" A wonderful book of a wonderful testimony. She was delivered from witchcraft and then from a fatal illness or a debilitating illness miraculously healed during uh, an Oregon camp meeting. She has all these people who also wrote their testimonies of having been there when she was healed and things like that. And just a wonderful book. But my favorite part of it was because she's like everybody is because it's a big deal and it's new territory. She's stressed about, okay, what do I got to do? What's next? And she finished her book, finished her manuscript got together all the parts, you know, the different testimonies, the forward, the blurb, you know, stuff like that. Had her parts together. She emails them to me. And then like a couple days later, later, she texts me and says, I don't know what to do. What what, what do I do with this? (laughs) 
And I was like, no, sis, you did it. You're done. <laughs> you're, done. you're done. Congratulations. We finished this part, and you're going to have a book soon. You, you can just take it easy and enjoy. And what she wound up doing was really wise. She wound up really heavily engaging people around her and creating a community around her book as it was being awesome. released. It's it awesome. is fun, though. It's, it's fun to take the pressure off of people. Yeah, it, it makes the biggest difference. I'm telling you, I look back on what all I did, <laughs> and I could only wish that I handed it off to someone for them to just make it happen. If people could just focus on their book. You know, and not have to sit around and think about all the technical stuff. I think it make it much more pleasurable and enjoyable to know that they don't have to to worry about the technical. And I sure of, hope of they do it book. more and more that we'd have a, a flood of apostolic authors, um, yes. folks who now are confident to write because they don't have to worry about all the nitty gritty stuff. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being a part of this. We'll do more of these, I'm sure, as we as we think of other subjects and stuff. But thank you for the, sure. your work and supporting apostolic authors. You have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm going to do my best. Thank yeah. you.